Okay, good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. mindset call. We do this call uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Really, it's our mindset mental toughness call. You know, mental toughness is kind of like a bullet point under mindset. Uh, but we emphasize the mental toughness, which is uh, to be able to fight through a lot of struggle, a lot of, you know, issues and still have success because uh, the world is going to throw a lot of stuff at us. And so, you know, we emphasize that. All right. So let's go this morning. But, you know, before we do that, we must do this. So we're going to talk about um, eight mental factors why people don't associate with you or join you or join your uh, or join your venture, your business that you're doing. Um, and I just put together eight mental factors. It's probably 180, if not 180,000 mental factors why. <clears throat> but today I want to talk about eight of those that uh, over the years I've noticed uh, that these are some of the reasons that people don't get involved and don't stay around uh, when it comes to uh, doing the venture that you're doing, the business that you're doing, or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. It could be anything uh, outside of the norm that you're doing. And your goal is to recruit somebody or it don't even have to be outside of the norm. It could be a law firm. It could be anything where you are uh, attempting to bring a person aboard. Uh, well, you know what? I take that back on the law firm thing and I take that back on a lot of those because a lot of those are salary driven. You know, people join because of salaries. People go to school to get a so-called good education a lot of times so that they can get that good salary. I always talk about, you know, people go to med school to be a doctor and they just love being a doctor. Now, everybody doesn't. A lot of them just love the money because I always give that example. I can promise you that it'll be a lot less if um, the janitor at your local high school made you know, $500,000 a year and the medical doctor at your local hospital made 50000 a year. You think that people will be going to school to find out how to, you know, dump the garbage around the high schools, how to just, you know, clean the floors in the, in the gym and how to just, you know, uh, shine the floors in the high school hallway. And, you know, it's just something I love to do. Just, 
you know, growing up, I was thinking about being a custodian. You know, it ain't about the 500000 that they pay. It's just, you know, being around the school with the kids and just, you know, dumping the garbage out and, you know, just being the handyman. And, and I always wanted to do that because it was that 500000 that you was getting compared to the 50000 as a medical doctor. I mean, who wants to be a medical doctor at 50000 a year? Who would want to do that? You know, uh, who would want to do that? <laughs> I know some people say, oh, yeah, I do, because I just want to, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see how many will go to um, custodian college <laughs> compared to medical college. <laughs> so a lot of it comes with that. See, what we're doing is not, a, it's a volunteer type business. It's a volunteer army. <clears throat> is not a um, paid army. And that's the challenge that a lot of us have because we're, you know, a lot of us come from corporate America and we, we, we're a manager in our company and we're a supervisor there and we managed hundreds of people, you know, 75 people on my squad that I managed. And, you know, I was a leader there and I, you know, I did everything there and, you know, you feel like you can just lead it. One of the things that we forget is that those people are a paid army. When you come and do something outside of the box, these people are voluntary. They're, that's a volunteer army. They do not get paid. So you can't say certain things that you can say to them, you know, on salary. You know, if somebody, if I'm, a, if I'm making a hundred grand a year on salary and you say something to me that uh, is out of place, you know, I'm going to think about it on the way home. <laughs> I'm not going to walk up to you and slap you because <laughs> I need that 100000 because my wife's saying she likes to do this and do that. So I'm going to think about it. Now, you say that to me in a volunteer business where probably at that point I'm not making any money and I'm not doing well in my business and you run your mouth at me and say some things, you know, that probably shouldn't be said. Now I'm going to think about, should I follow this person? Even though they just embarrassed me, even though they just talked about me, but can I learn from this person? Can I suck it up? See, you have to become that kind of person that if you, if you slip and say something, or if you didn't intentionally say something, that person that's listening to you, they got to believe in you and feel like, okay. And he's me cutting off of this because this person made a little slip or made it said something to me a couple of times. If I'm trying to learn from, see, that's, that's when you become that leader, a, a real leader, not, not, not where you confuse in corporate America. Cause that's what happens. I see people come to our business. They have the title in corporate America. They're the big wig and, and they get confused cause they, come to our type business and they talk to people the same way they talk to them at, on the job. And, and, you know, you can look in their group within six months and you hear crickets, you know, because there's nobody there. And they're like, well, what, what happened? Uh, it's your mouth. <laughs> so these are some of the factors that you're going <clears> to <throat> deal with or run across. I'm still, Still clearing my voice a little bit because I went through a deep bout of uh, 
of, of a sinus infection. So I'm better now, much better. I feel much better, but my voice still sounds a little different right now. I should be ready by Monday. But, you know, the show must go on. I can't sit back and say, well, you know, it's my voice. No. Not like the NBA players who need the rest now. It's, it's amazing how many multi-million dollar players need the rest when Michael Jordan, I don't think, rest at all. He wanted to play all the time. He wanted to show up at arena and play all the time. But it's a little bit different now. Different time period where people say they need to rest. Well, I can't rest, so let's go. All right, number one. Um, one of, now, these are in no particular order. No particular order at all. Just I'm just going to you know, throw them out there. Uh, a lot of times, you know, before COVID, <clears throat> you know, most businesses had like you did presentations and you did things, you know, in corporate America, they were presentations. You know, you had companies come to you and you would go in the boardroom and do presentations. In our business, we had presentations. People would come out to our meetings and things of that sort to meet you and find out more about our business. Uh, and uh, what you would find out is that a lot of people are afraid to deal with strangers. So they would come to a presentation and feel kind of, you know, uncomfortable, especially when they don't, you know, they know a little bit about you, but hardly don't really know you. And then they come and it's a nice little crowd and they don't see you. Now they're uncomfortable because, you know, you know, you were taught as young, young age, don't deal with strangers. So that thought process is still there and they're a little uncomfortable and, you know, they feel like some of the people might not be nice. And think about this. A lot of people that they came out to see were they were nice, real nice, you know, to a point where it felt strange to some people. You walk into a room, everybody hugging each other. Everybody talking about how great they are. Got music playing. It's like, wait a minute. This is a setup here because, no, this, <laughs> this is not right. Too, too many jovial individuals in here. When I go to corporate America... They don't welcome me and they don't, they're not nice to me. They're not. So wait a minute, something is wrong here. And I just don't know what it is, but they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. So we used to teach all the time that a lot of times one-on-ones were better or two-on-ones were better. Where you just sit down with somebody at lunch or at the coffee shop or at a lobby of a hotel if you didn't want to spend any money, because if you sit down in the restaurant, you're going to have to spend some money because they the waiter going to come and worry the hell out of you about ordering something. And then they're going to order and you're going to feel obligated to pay. So if you're not prepared to do that, you know, find a nice hotel lobby or find something where you sit down with a one-on-one and you build uh, some camaraderie with the person where they feel comfortable. So if they came out to a presentation, uh, they will feel comfortable kind of looking for you and finding you or even with the people there because they built some kind of, you know, um, some kind of, you know, you built some kind of credibility with them, you know. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that a lot of people are afraid because, you know, we're not, they're not used to dealing with people and just, you know, coming, showing up where there's some strange people in there and they all smiling and happy and, music playing and yeah i just feel like this is not right here so <laughs> that's one of the factors it's just uncomfortable um, <clears throat> um around people that they don't know another one is uh 
a lot of people are fear, fearful of change. They're not happy with their life, but change is even worse. You know, they think of every day, I got to do something different. I got to do something different. I got to figure out how to make some more money doing something different, you know, and, they, and then you show them something different. You show them something different and they're very uncomfortable because change is hard for people. And one thing about success and one thing about life and one thing about being uh, financially or just, just being wealthy or, or making more income, change is going to be there. I don't care what it is. You're going to have to change. You might have to move. You might have to do this. It's going to have to be some change there. And if you are afraid of change, you're so you you're good with the status quo, <clears throat> that's what most people are. They don't want to get outside of the cult. They want they don't want to get outside of that's why you know most people run to a, a good part-time job like a big company, UPS, FedEx, Delta, that's comfortable. They're comfortable because they've seen their friends do that. They see the neighbors do it. Matter of fact, the neighbors and the friends, you know, hook them up with the job like my dad used to be. My dad was the the school teacher and he also was a track coach and he also was to hook up with the part-time jobs for all the all the school teachers. You know, he had the part-time jobs. My dad was always working another job. He never came to a lot of my football games or whatever I did because he had a part-time job. And I never, it never concerned me like some people say now that they don't come to their kids' events that the kids going to hate them. I don't know how that came about and where that came from. Uh, I know some people go because they love it, but you know, my dad loved sports. He loved, I'm sure he hated missing, you know, what his superstar son was doing, breaking records out there every week. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't, I know, I'm sure he wanted to beat him. Now, my mother didn't, she didn't really care about that. She just wanted to make sure that I didn't get hurt when I came home, that I was I was okay. Uh, but, you know, change was, you know, he couldn't change. He had to do these jobs. And, and people had wanted to do those type jobs because they knew everybody else was doing them. I rarely saw somebody, I don't think, I can't even remember somebody that I know in our neighborhood or our family that was doing something outside of the norm. The norm, remember now, is a good part-time job. I didn't, I didn't know anybody that was doing a part-time business that I could think of or if I even knew if they ever said anything around us that I just can't think of anybody like that. So we all were in that, that same type, you know, cultish type thing where you had to be, you because you felt comfortable doing that. So people are fearful of change. Uh, even though they're not happy with their life and not happy with the situation, that fear still overrides everything. All right, here's another reason. Uh, number three. Um, you know, your person is just holding on to the money. They don't want to spend it. They don't want to spend it. <clears throat> at least not there with you, they don't want to spend it. They might want to spend it at the mall. You know, they uh, they might want to spend it, uh, you know, a lot of other places, but with you, 
Um, <laughs> Preacher Man says, how many of your volleyball and kickball games did your uh, parents miss? <laughs> well, I didn't play volleyball. We did a little kickball, but he didn't come to any kickball games. <laughs> I don't know if you being facetious there or, you know, I didn't, I didn't play those sports. I only played football. Um, well, in elementary school, I played basketball all the way up to the seventh grade. And then I got kicked off squad like Michael Jordan. <laughs> I just didn't come back. You know what? You know what I got kicked off for? I'm sure some of y'all probably have an idea. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, I was, you know, cracking jokes in practice. And so I would never, well, the coach said I would never shut up. So I think he ended my NBA career because, you know, I was a starting guard. I played in the seventh grade. Uh, but after that, I uh, never went back. Really had no. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like playing basketball, but it really wasn't my thing. Even football wasn't. But all my boys was doing it. So I said, let me go do it. Uh, but no, I, I don't know if you were joking, but no, we played kickball and played volleyball. Uh, but, you know, the prospect holding on to that money. <clears throat> they don't want to let it go for something that's outside of their thought process. But you'll catch them at the mall buying a blouse or you'll catch them at the rim store buying some rims, or you'll catch them doing something else because they're not uncomfortable with that. That's what their friend down the street did, got some new rims. That's what their neighbor did, bought a new blouse. Your friend down the street with the rims and the neighbor with the blouse, they never did anything outside of the box. And, and if they did, which there's a possibility, they didn't have success. So now you're looking at them as, you know, because they knocked on your door to talk to you about their business. And then two, three months later, they're not doing that anymore. And matter of fact, they in straight criticize mode, you know, ah, oh, they didn't do this. And, oh, they lied about that. And nah, 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 nah. not taking responsibility on them, but it was just that, you know, they didn't, they just, they just want to hold on to this money and do what they want to do with it. All right, number four, it sounds good, but it also sounds too good to be true, especially the way most of us tell it. Especially the way most of us tell the story about our business and how it really works. I mean, we really be on this fantasy island fairy tale type thing because, you know, you see people out on social media talking that and you, you believe that because they got they're showing you some toys or they saying something and then you start believing that. And then you feel like less than if you're not. So you just start pumping it up. Like, you know, this is going to happen here and you're going to have that. And before you know it, you're going to be doing this. And all you got to do is get two and they get two and they get two and they get two and, and boy, we're going to be really, it's going to be a party like no other party. You're going to get your rings. You're going to have all this stuff. And, yeah, really people don't realize that sounds too good to be true. First of all, it's not true, but when you start saying that, it sounds too good to be true. So they're like, nah, 
Because these are the same people that went to school, maybe, or went to the military, came out, and and they believed in that dream that was going to happen for them. And now they're realizing that's not true either. And now here you come with another not true. And it's hard for them to move on it. They're not, mm -mm, they don't they don't sound right. You know, so I know a lot of people say, well, Tony, you come too hard. Well, I think me coming hard is more closer to them believing the truth than than not, not to say that they will be involved with us, but you know, I'm not going to tell you something just to make you feel good when I know what's going to happen, you know, because uh, that happened to me. So they don't think, I mean, they just it just sounds too good to be true. All right, so now the fifth one is um, they don't believe in themselves, so they, they don't believe they can do it. But they never tell you that. They'll tell you something else. It has something to do with their belief and how they feel about themselves. But they'll say to you, uh, nah, nah, hmm. Maybe somebody, I, maybe my wife might do that little thing. I didn't talk to my wife about that little thing. You know what I'm saying? That's the man because the man is, uh, you know, his ego um, can't be damaged. You know, he can't attempt to do something and don't have success like like you have to do in anything that's worthwhile anything that's worth going for you're going to have to be embarrassed and talked about in the beginning because you got to grow into it and most men don't want to do that they'd rather you know sit back and say uh no i don't you know have time for something that little i can you know i can do this i can do that maybe maybe my wife but what they're saying is um I can't have my pride squashed. I can't, I just can't. I don't believe, you know, I just, I know I can't do it, but I won't tell them that. I'm just going to tell them something else. So there's no belief there. So that was number five. Number six is they have doubt about you helping them. They have doubt about you helping them. See, a lot of you all will not put, your people in front of somebody else. A lot of y'all, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but you won't put your person in front of somebody who's maybe sharper than you or somebody who has more knowledge than you or somebody that's, because that's what you need is, is help. You need, everybody needs that. It's, it's, that's the advantage of our, our business is that you're in it for yourself, but not by yourself. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> But we still won't do that. So it's us talking. And what we don't realize is that people are looking at us like, hmm. You ever hear people say, your friend, well, my friends really want to hear from me. They really, yeah, really? They, they really believe in me. And that might be true. They might trust you, I'll put it that way, because you've been knowing them for a while and they know that you're not going to take them down a dark alley and jump them. They'll trust you on that. But when you start thinking that they believe that you're skilled enough for them to, to learn from you and that you can really help you, then you really have gone off on the wrong path because you really believe in, you know, something that is not true. Because they still look at you as, you know, uh, you know, Lisa that works at, uh, I don't know, uh, the bread company or something. They still look at you as Bob that works for, Greyhound, you know, they don't look at you as a business person. They don't look at you as somebody who can 
school them and educate them on what you're doing because you not only do they not look at you, you never put them in front of people who have done that, who've had success. Some people don't even want your people talking to those folks. So they wonder, you know, if if you can really help them. They're like, man, I don't, you know, I don't know about you. So, I, I mean, they won't tell you that. They're like, oh, yeah, something else. But that's number six. Number seven is they're comfortable with the job they have <laughs> or the drugs that they're taking. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Tony, the drugs they're taking? You know, there's a lot of people walking around here medicated, man. They really are. That's why a lot of people, when they start taking the health and wellness product, they, it doesn't mix sometimes. And you wonder, you know, why is this not? Because they already they are heavily, heavily on some dosage every day where they, you know, you can see the gleam in their eyes where they are a little doped up. So they're medicated. You know, they kind of feel, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. They kind of feel, you know, all right. So, you know, comfortable with what they're doing and comfortable with the drugs they're taking. So they're pretty good. <laughs> it took me a minute to find out why some females at a, some in, in the beginning, this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, some of the products that they never told me that they were um, on some of those, what is it, Xanax and all this other stuff, because some of those products don't work with with what we're doing. And so it doesn't blend or mix. And um, <laughs> let me move on from that one. All right. The last one, number eight. Um, secretly hoping and they're secretly looking for a new group of people to hang around. But, but they still have this feeling of being uncomfortable around strangers again, which was number one. You know, they want to, but remember these strangers are doing something outside of the norm, outside of the status quo, which seems kind of interesting, but it's still a no-no to them. And so it's such a challenge to do that. You know, it's just, you know, you, you want to say, well, as grown people, they don't let that bother. Oh, yeah. As grown people, you learn that at a young age. So it's still there. Remember, we, you know, we still have those issues. That's why I'm always talking about reading books and, you know, to help you grow and get some of those thoughts out of you to, to change your thought process and all that. Because a lot of times listening to, our, to, to like, if I say for me, <clears throat> The more books you read, the more I don't bother you, meaning that my conversation won't bother you, meaning that the things I say to you won't bother you. Because if you're reading mindset, thought-provoking leadership books, you're going to hear so much of what the stuff I talk about that you're gonna, it's going to be a norm, kind of like a, the norm that you're in you know, with the cult in the United States of America. But if you're reading all the time and you're listening to what I'm saying, it becomes the norm almost. And so now you're kind of comfortable with that and you can be a, you'll be a part of it. But if you're not, 
then you're going to be uncomfortable and you won't be a part of it. So those are the eight mental factors that I just put together. Uh, I'm sure it's, like I said, 800 or, you know, 8,000 of them. But um, remember the first one was uh, people are afraid of strangers. Uh, and the best thing to do is one-on-ones with them. Uh, fearful of change. Uh, holding out because they want to hold on to that money and do what they want to do with it. Sounds too good to be true. Don't think they can do it. Don't tell you that, but they just don't think so. Uh, wonder if you will help them because they still look at you as Billy who works for Greyhound, not Billy the the uh, health and wellness coach or business person. Um, they're comfortable with the job and the drugs that they're taking. And... Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, and secretly hope, hoping and looking for a new group of people, but still don't believe in the people outside of the box. They just don't trust them. So it's, that's it's a dilemma that they have. All right, folks, that's it today. Uh, all she wrote. I'm telling you, I feel um, much better than I sound. I really do. I mean, last three days I was awful. Today I feel really good, but my voice is still clearing up. Uh, so I should be good on Monday. Um, but guess what? Day is. Uh... You can look a gift horse in the face and not know what you're looking at. And I feel like, you know, I'm looking at the gift horse. I'm just one of the ones that notice what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? It's actually an incredible time. It's like a gold rush. It's never been a time like this. In our generation, it's our equivalent of the gold rush and everybody moved to California. This technology has empowered everybody. It, it, it's given people, you know, you, it's as big as, as you want to make it. And, you know, it's as far as you want to take it. And we could quote a gang of things going on in the world right now or just, you know, accept it as being true. But, you know, it's like, man, giants going to crumble. Big, big companies going to crumble. New companies going to pop up out of nowhere. And it's, it's going to be dramatic right now. And I believe it. That's how I know, 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 that's how I knew that I was different, that's how I know, 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 that's how I knew that I was different.